This is week number two of my sermon series on grace, and today's message is called The Well-Traveled Road to Salvation. I don't know if you've ever thought about this before, but just about every life goal that is worthwhile has a main road that leads to it. For example, marriage. If your goal is to have a great marriage, there are just certain things you're going to have to do. You're going to have to be patient. You're going to have to communicate well. You're going to have to be willing to compromise. You're going to have to learn to forgive. These are just some of the stops you make on the way to a great marriage. Now, you can try another road. You can try to build a great marriage without being patient and communication and forgiving and compromising, but I don't think you're ever going to get there. Uh, I think you're probably going to have a rough time and probably will end up being divorced. There is a main road that leads to a great marriage. Or let's say your goal is to have a thriving business. You're going to need a good idea. You're going to need a product or a service that is in demand. You're also going to need a good business model. You're going to need solid financial backing. You're going to need a marketing plan. You're going to need employees that you can trust. Uh, now You can try to start a business some other way, but I doubt if you're going to be successful. Every goal in life that is worthwhile has a main road that leads to it. And I'm not saying there aren't some rare exceptions. There are people sometimes who are very creative and they find a different way to you know be successful but in most areas of life there is a well-established route that will take you from where you are to where you want to be now with that thought in mind let's think about grace how does a person go from being lost to being saved Got a person over here who is who is outside of God's grace. That person is lost. If that person dies, they are going to hell. How does that person get over here where he or she is covered by God's grace, is saved, has heaven to look forward to? Well, I want you to know this morning that there is a well-traveled road that will take you from here to hear. The well-traveled road to salvation, I want to share it with you this morning. In the Bible, Nicodemus was a guy who traveled this road, and so he is going to be the focus uh, of our attention today. His story is found in the third chapter of the Gospel of John. Now, in case you're not familiar with Nicodemus, he was a Pharisee. That means he was a leader of the Jewish religion. A religious big shot, if you will. More importantly, it's important to know that he was completely unfamiliar with the concept of salvation by grace. You see, the Pharisees' idea of salvation was that you uh, were saved by keeping a lot of rules and regulations. They believed that the more rules you kept, the more spiritual you were. And so they dreamed up all kinds of rules that they imposed on themselves and others, again, believing that the more rules you kept, the more spiritual you were. Now, to give you an idea of what I'm talking about, 
there are lots and lots and lots of examples we could look at, but the Pharisees made a rule that you had to wash your hands before every meal. Now, you're thinking, well, that's not so strange. Most people wash their hands before they eat, but nobody washed their hands the way the Pharisees washed their hands. They started with a certain amount of water. Yes, they had a rule about how much water you should use. It was enough to fill one and a half eggshells. You would pour that amount of water over your hand, open palm up, pour it into your hand. It would run through your fingers. It could not run down your arm. You could not allow it to run down your arm because, according to their rules, when the water touched your dirty hand, it became ceremonially unclean and therefore was a contaminant to the rest of your body. So you couldn't allow it to touch any other part of your body. You would let it run over your palm and through your fingers, both hands. Then you would turn your hands over, same amount of water over the back of your hand, through your fingers. It w could not run down your arms. That would, you just couldn't let that happen. And then they would rub their hands together vigorously, only they even had a rule for that. You and I, when we rub our hands together, we do it like this. They rubbed their hands together by rule with a closed fist. So they rubbed their hands together like this. And when they had rubbed their hands together vigorously with a closed fist, then they would dry their hands, and then they were ready to eat. But now here's the kicker. Pharisees loved rules. So they made a rule that you had to wash your hands this way, not just before the meal, but before every course of the and so they would wash their hands this way several times during every meal. Now, I want you to understand, this was not a rule that God imposed on them. This was a rule that they made up for themselves because they believed that you were saved by keeping rules. They believed that the more rules you obeyed, the more spiritual you were. So you see, they had no concept of salvation by grace. None whatsoever. They thought it was all about keeping rules. And they would fill their lives with rules. And they would say, God, see how spiritual I am? Look at all these rules I'm keeping. Nicodemus was one of these guys. In fact, Nicodemus wasn't just a run-of-the-mill rule keeper. John 3.10 says he was a respected Jewish teacher. That means he was an, a recognized expert in the art of rule keeping. If you want to compare him to something today, think about computers. You know how to use a computer. You know how to do email and surf the web. But when your computer crashes, you need help, right? You need an expert. You need a computer geek. Well, Nicodemus was a religion geek in his day. He was the guy people called when they had questions. He was the expert. But one day, Nicodemus started hearing about this guy named Jesus. He'd heard that Jesus was saying some rather unconventional things about religion, things that even sounded a bit heretical to Nicodemus. At the same time, he was 
noticing everybody talking about Jesus healing lepers and giving sight to the blind and helping the lame to walk. And, and it just, I don't know, it was very confusing. Jesus was saying things that almost sounded like heresy, and yet he was doing good deeds for people. The other thing that Nicodemus noticed was that the common folks were starting to take to Jesus. He was noticing that everywhere Jesus went, there was a large crowd of people. This was all very confusing to Nicodemus, and so he said to himself, you know what, I just need to get to know this guy. I need to talk to Jesus. I need to find out what this guy is all about. And so I'm going to read you the story of their meeting, which you can find in John chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean? exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it's going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. How are these things possible? Nicodemus asked. Jesus replied, You are a respected Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things? I assure you, we tell you what we know and have seen, and yet you won't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven in return, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Right there, in those verses, you can see the well-traveled road to salvation. Let me show it to you. It starts with curiosity. Verse 2 says that after dark one evening, Nicodemus came to speak with Jesus. Now, if this had been an official visit, if this had been an official visit of the Pharisee going to rebuke the itinerant preacher, it wouldn't have happened this way. Nicodemus would not have gone at night. He would have gone in the daytime. He would have taken an entourage with him because he would have wanted all the common people in the community to see this itinerant preacher being rebuked by the Pharisees. It wasn't that kind of visit. What you're seeing here in Nicodemus is a very curious man who didn't want his fellow Pharisees to know anything about this meeting because he knew they would not approve. And so he went to Jesus under the cover of darkness. Friends, the well-traveled road to salvation begins 
with curiosity. And I would say some of you are here today simply because you're curious. You don't know me. You don't know anything about Poinciana Christian Church. In fact, if you were not raised in a religious home, you may not know anything about any church. But for some reason, you're curious. Maybe you've become curious because someone has stepped into your life and started witnessing to you. Maybe a co-worker or a family member. Maybe you're curious because some serious problems have come up in your life. And you don't have answers. You're looking for answers. And you don't know if the church has them or not, but you're here to find out. Maybe you're curious because you're feeling empty in your life. Maybe you feel like your life has no meaning or purpose. And again, you don't know if the church has any answers, but you're curious. Maybe you've been living your life a certain way for a while and it just isn't working. Maybe you thought you had all the answers and you knew the best way to live, but you've been living that way maybe now for years and your life is a mess. And you don't know if the church has any answers or not, but you're curious. You're thinking there has to be more to life than this. There have to be some answers somewhere. You're curious. So you're here to check out this religion thing. You've heard people say there are answers in the Lord and in the church. You're curious. The well-traveled road to salvation begins with curiosity. From there, it often leads to confusion. I want you to look again at this conversation between Nicodemus and Jesus. Nicodemus says, this is how he opens up. He says, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Now that's a really nice opening. I mean, Nicodemus, he's here, he's here trying to be nice. He's trying to be complimentary to Jesus. He's trying to get this conversation off on the right foot. And you would think Jesus would say, well, thank you. That, that's a very nice thing to say. And that's not what Jesus says. Jesus' response right out of the gate is, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus says, what do you mean? Let me give you the literal translation of that. From Greek to English. What he really said was, huh? <laughs> a little bit closely, and notice that Nicodemus is not asking a question. He's giving a compliment. But Jesus seems to be answering a question. He, he seems to be answering a question that Nicodemus didn't ask. And this is really confusing to Nicodemus. Um, have you ever been a part of a conversation where you literally did not know what was being talked about? Maybe you got into the conversation late, or maybe the subject was just something you weren't familiar with. Have you ever, in a conversation, said, wait a minute, what are you talking about? What am I missing? That's exactly where Nicodemus is here. But he plows on to the best of his ability. He says, how can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again. 
And he had to feel ridiculous answering, asking that question. But it's the only question he knew to ask. Because of Jesus' comment about everybody needing to be born again. Friends, the well-traveled road to salvation almost always leads to a place of confusion. Especially if you weren't raised in the church. When you start going to church, uh, you can be really curious, and you're here, you think, well, I'm going to get some answers, and then you start hearing things you've never heard before, and you start hearing words you're not familiar with, words like justification and consecration and sanctification and repentance, and then people start talking about being born again, and you think, I, I don't get it. What are you talking about? And the result is just like what Nicodemus said. Your response is, huh? What does this all mean? Which leads to the next stop on the well-traveled road to salvation. It's what I'll call continuation. As we've just seen, when Jesus hit Nicodemus with that, you must be born again line, Nicodemus said, okay, how can a person go back into his mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus gives him another answer that did not clear up the matter at all. Nicodemus is even more confused. So in verse 9, he says, uh, okay, uh, how are these things possible? And Jesus gives him another answer that he does not understand. Friends, this is a guy who's really confused. He is hearing stuff he's never heard before. He has no idea what Jesus is talking about. But let's give the guy some credit. He knows he's venturing into new uncharted territory for himself. He understands that, you know, this something is happening here. I'm going to give it some time. I'm going to keep asking questions. There must be some kind of a, a learning curve here with this new theology I'm hearing. And so Nicodemus... Uh, believes that if he hangs in there and he keeps asking questions and he keeps having this conversation, maybe at some point uh, he'll be able to connect the dots and it'll start making sense. And boy, I, I'm guessing some of you are right at that point right now. You're curious about the Lord, but boy, you're sure confused about some of the things you hear. You know, the Bible is a great big book and it seems really complicated and some of the things you're hearing seem really strange. But you're hanging in there. You haven't quit. You're still listening. Maybe you're asking questions. And that's why, eventually, you're going to come to the fourth stop on the well-traveled road to salvation, and that is commitment. If you've read this entire story about Nicodemus in John 3, you know that it stops abruptly after verse 21. We're not told what happened as a result of this conversation. We're not told if it all started making sense to Nicodemus and he decided to become a follower of Christ. We're not told explicitly one way or another. However, 16 chapters later, 16 chapters after this encounter. In other words, if you jump all the way over to John 19, 
there's something that happens in that chapter that leads us to believe that Nicodemus did at some point become a follower of Christ. After Jesus was crucified, and with his body hanging on the cross, this is what the Bible says. Afterward, Joseph of Arimathea, who had been a secret disciple of Jesus because he feared the Jewish leaders, asked Pilate for permission to take down Jesus' body. When Pilate gave permission, Joseph came and took the body away. Now look at this. With him came Nicodemus, the man who had come to Jesus by night. I suggest to you that there's no way Nicodemus, a Pharisee, no way a man in his position would have volunteered to take down the body of Jesus and help bury it if he hadn't been a lover of Jesus and devoted to him. In fact, I think that's the reason why that, that sentence is, is kind of squeezed in there. It doesn't seem to really even fit in some ways, except I think we're being told what happened. We're being told that sometime between John 3 and John 19, Nicodemus did uh, 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 connect all the dots, all those things that were so confusing to him started making sense, and he finally understood that Jesus was who he claimed to be. Messiah. And so you see in, in this story the well-traveled road to salvation that begins with curiosity. It often leads to confusion. Then it requires continuation and ultimately leads to commitment. About 25 years ago, a young woman who'd been visiting our church for a couple of months walked up to me after Sunday morning service Instead, I'd like to make an appointment to talk to you. She said, I've got some questions. I said, great, just call the office, make the appointment. That'd be fine. So she did, and the day she came to my office, she came in carrying a spiral notebook. When she sat down, she said, I have written down some questions. Is it okay if I just start at the top and work my way through them? I said, that'd be fine. And by the way, I love that. I love people who write down questions. Get yourself a list. Make them hard questions. And then call Mike Black. <laughs> Seriously, we love it when you come in with questions. So she comes in with her spiral notebook. She has, all, she has like two or three pages of questions. I will never, ever forget her first question. She looked up at me and she said, okay, what's the deal with the resurrection? And when she asked that question, I knew what I was dealing with. I knew I was dealing with a person who knew nothing about the Bible, didn't even understand the basic heart of Christianity. She'd heard of the resurrection. She knew what Easter was, but she didn't know what it meant. Had no idea of the significance of it. And so we sat there 
for quite some time, and we worked through her questions. And I have no doubt, none, that about 85 to 90% of what I said to her that day made no sense. But here's what I said to her when we parted. I said, I don't want you to worry about all the confusion you're experiencing. I said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to continue to come to church every Sunday and listen carefully to the sermons. When you're at home, I want you to pray. I want you to ask God to open your heart and mind to his truth. And when you have time, I just want you to read your Bible. You can reread some of the passages we look at on Sunday morning if you want to, but just come to church, pray, and read your Bible. And if you'll do those three things, I will make you this promise. One year from today, you won't be confused. One year from today, all of these things we're talking about that seem so out there right now will be making sense to you. I promise you. Well, she took me up on that offer, and uh, she and her husband came to church literally every Sunday. And it was quite a bit less than a year later that she and her husband were baptized into Christ. And for 12 years, they were faithful, staunch, serving members of Poinciana Christian Church until they moved. Here's my point. Her story is not unusual. She traveled a road to, to God's grace that millions and millions of people have traveled. The same one that Nicodemus traveled. A road that started with curiosity. It led to some confusion, but she continued on and finally came to the place where she wanted to make a commitment. Now, here's the last thing I want to say this morning, and I saved it for last because I want it to be on your mind when you walk out the door today. Of these four stops on the well-traveled road to salvation, it's number three, continuation, that is the hardest and therefore the most critical. There may well come a moment if you're getting curious about the things of God and you're coming to church and you're listening and, and, and it's not making sense to you, there could well come a moment when you think, oh, you know what, I just don't get it. I, I'm, I'm done with this. Don't do that. Continue on. Stay with it. Listen. Pray. Read your Bible. You'll get through that stage of confusion. You will. I promise you, you will. Millions of people have. The key is to not quit. Let's stand.